KickPod acknowledges the traditional owners and custodians of the land in which we're recording this podcast. The Wurundjeri, Woiwurrung and Bunurong peoples of the East Kulin Nations. We pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging and extend our respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples today. Welcome to the KickPod, your weekly DNM on the stuff that matters. One, two, three, four. Hello. Hello. Welcome back. Welcome, welcome back. Has it been too long? I feel like we don't need to have a whole moment about being away for two weeks, but we have been and we're back. Yeah. Also, I feel like we didn't actually go away anywhere. (laughs) We've had Easter. We had Easter, but I, I do feel like... We aren't refreshed as you think. No, it's not I'm like a excited holiday, to be here. Like, you know, you have two weeks off. Like, we're also doing other things. So it's a, it was a break from the podcast, but then again, we also recorded last week. So it's like, I know what you're saying. I just, I feel like a bit <laughs> brain dead today and I feel like I should be back fresh nailing my my words. I'm excited though. I'm excited to be back. I feel like this is some nice one in one time that I get with yeah, you every week. True. It's actually so true. <laughs> <laughs> how are you? How have you been anyway? Uh, how have I been? The last two weeks, what did you get up to? That tell us like what you people. ask your friends on Facebook. Okay, you not that. But no, like, you don't. That's what you ask <laughs> someone who you want to start a conversation with that's a guy or like I feel like someone that you are de- like want to date or a d- no, you're not when you're dating. Someone you used to speak to. That was my. I think that was my number one. No, no, no. That was my number one. You um, You love me. (laughs) True. (laughs) My number one, not pick up line, but like if I wanted to start a messenger conversation. Hey, how you been? That's (laughs) what you. (laughs) In that tone too. Why am I saying it in that tone? Anyway, I don't know. um, I have. I have been a bit brain dead today. That's how I've been. (laughs) That's fine. How have you been? (laughs) <laughs> I've been, been. I've been. <laughs> it's a lit you know what it's the end of the week it's the end of the day um but we <laughs> are gonna get through this because we are excited to have the kickboard back and today is a really special episode i'm excited i'm just a little bit brain dead yeah that's it fine. doesn't mean non-excitement yeah. my brain cells are still like Woo! but they're just confused <laughs> do you have a special share i do did you I consume do, I do. much over the two-week break i uh i did but i have but that's not your special share well, yeah, it is something I consumed. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and I haven't spoken to you about it because I wanted to speak to you about it on the podcast. Oh. And I wonder, you would love it. It's a movie. Okay. Called Coda. Oh, yeah. I've, I've seen that pop up. Is you haven't it? watched it? No. Haven't. Oh, you have to watch it. I have it, to. Have to. No, it is a really good. It's won heaps of awards. Mm. So when do we watch it? I don't, oh, oh, one night. Over <laughs> well, the last two weeks. <laughs> but Dawson said, because he's a big, mo- he's like you. Mm. I feel like in another life, actually, no, I was not married <laughs> you were to gonna Josh. You were going to say this out loud. I you were going to say that out loud on the podcast. <laughs> no, with our movies, because you yeah. love movies yeah. and so does Dalton. And mm. you like very serious about them, whereas Josh and I are a little bit less serious about You could about play on movies. your phone the entire time and be totally cool with it. Yeah. No. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So Dalton and I often have this argument that I don't take, take the movie seriously. Yeah, and I, and he through. just says, I just want to watch a movie with you. And I'm like, you know, that's the least I can do as yeah. a wife right now. Considering <laughs> I've been grumpy for mm-hmm. two weeks. Anyway, so I, um, so he said this, this movie is like an Academy Award winning blah, blah, blah. Coda. Mm. Anyway, back to the movie. Apologies. It's on Apple TV. Apologies again. It's another 
We're always talking about different stream. I, I feel like anyway, everyone's used to it. It's on Apple TV and it is about a family and there is a son and a mum and a dad and a daughter and the mum, dad and son are deaf mm. but the daughter is not. And it is a really beautiful story about how her like they're they are very very dependent on her because mm. she, she's not deaf yep. and to communicate and they're f- they're a family of fisher men and women mm-hmm. women mm-hmm. Um, anyway it is a beautiful story story and I highly recommend Thank watching you. it and I really apologize I haven't explained this well I know I'm having a moment with my brain today so no that was explained well I'm excited <laughs> I to highly watch please it. don't. Ru- let my bad explanation ruin it because it's really good. Thank you for dollar. Oh, I just I just put my mouth on the microphone. We used shared microphones. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. Have, no. What's yours? What's yours? What's yours? So you just have the one because I was kind of expecting you thought you were going to come back with like I don't know. Sometimes you come with like three. No, because I'm going to save them. Okay. Oh. So then I don't come on here and say I don't have anything. Okay. Nice. Yeah. Well. Okay. So I've got two. <laughs> Should I save one? No, you do whatever you need. Okay. Well, I'm kind of halfway through both of these things though, but I'm really enjoying them both. So I know that by the end I will probably still recommend them. Okay, great. One is the audio book by Matthew McConaughey, Green Light, his his book. His book. His book. That, and, but you're consuming it via audio I book. I decided <laughs> because this was during the week of filming new workouts and Josh has recently got into reading, not once in our entire relationship other than – okay, there was it's one book I think very at the start. He, he does not read, doesn't no. read, do, just doesn't read. Um, anyway, he read one book and now he's like determined to like build this pile of books at his bedside table. It's really, really nice. I love to see it. Anyway, one of the books that he was recommended was Greenlight and – and he started reading it and had good things to say. And I was driving, you know, to and from our studio, which isn't exactly on the same side of town of where we live. So I was like, you know what? There's going to be a lot of driving this week. I'm going to start consuming green light. Because everyone then messaged him and was like, you're going to enjoy the book. But the audio book is incredible because it's Matthew McConaughey reading yes, his own story. Yes, like, yes, and his yes. voice is just heavenly. And I'm really enjoying it. It's really interesting upbringing and like just not what I would have his, his upbringing. His upbringing. Yeah, okay, yeah. and okay. his experiences in life. So I'm really keen to continue listening to that. It goes for like seven or eight hours. So like obviously nice. I haven't continued the whole thing. Um, and then the other thing that I'm halfway through is a show on Netflix called Anatomy of a Scandal. Have you seen it? Oh, it's number one, isn't it? Oh, yeah, it is actually. But you know what? Fun fact, I did not go to watch it because it came up. As recommended, Bailey and I on Easter weekend did – I don't know if you knew that Netflix did this, but you can do a, like a randomizer that's like it just spits a show out at you, oh, like well, it plays. spat out the number one show that everyone's watching. I know. Surprise, <laughs> surprise. But it started – the way that it does it is like it doesn't even show you what it's showing. It just starts the episode. So you just like get thrown into it. And me and Bailey like kind of press pause and we're like, hang on, should we read – the blurb about it or like, you know, understand what we're watching. And then we kind of thought, you know what, let's give it five minutes. Let's give it 10 minutes. And then we watched the episode and then we just continued watching it. So it's really good. It is based, I think it's one of those not true, true stories, but it's based off a number of things that happened in the media in England. It's really interesting though. It's a, um, I don't really want to give too much away because it's, it's kind of exciting to watch. And I don't know how it ends because I case. haven't watched it, but it's a case, yes. yes. And it's really interesting so far. 
Amazing. I'm also watching it, but I wasn't oh. going to bring it to here until Why, I finished like it. it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Just in case well, it wasn't yes. turned and it got really bad. But no, 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 no. I'm really enjoying that. Yeah. We're watching it. Great. Great special share. So now kick updates. Yes. What have we got? There's a lot, a lot happening. And also May is a very exciting month. It was then. My brain needs it. My goodness. <laughs> what Laura means by that is we are doing meditate in May. Ooh, so are you meditating in May? Because you, you sound yeah. like you're the meditating coach. I'm very you're keen <laughs> because meditation for me is one thing that ebb and flows from my routine. But I do find that when I am in routine, I feel really good. Even if it's just that day or that hour, I feel like grounded and present and clearer and so I am absolutely going to follow this one I'm really excited to be following along with the community and what it is is we have 16 new meditations dropping into the app over the month of May and we are encouraging you all to complete four of them throughout each week and hopefully tick all of them off by the end of the month just to get you into a bit of a routine. If you're someone who's never tried meditating before, they're all guided. They're all five minutes long. So really easy to find five minutes in your day. I don't care how busy you are. We can can do do that. Um, And so just give it a go. You know, if you're kind of sitting there thinking like, why, what's the point? Like we'll give it a go and you'll probably see why everyone raves about meditation. But it does, it does take time to build up habit. So that is the point of this um, I was about to say competition, but it's definitely not, it's competition. not a competition. That is the point of this kind of mental challenge of the month. Love it. I'm excited. I can't wait to do it. And if you want to try kick for the month, it's less than nineteen. Le- well, less than twenty dollars. Nineteen fifty for a month monthly membership, and we have a seven day free trial if you do want to join. I'm very excited to do this meditating. Yes. May I obviously need it. <laughs> Also, <laughs> we it is the last week being the end of April of our Kick Faves Challenge. So we wanted to say well done to all of you that tried the challenge. If you didn't, all of the masterclasses are in the app. So there's over 300 workouts in there so you can try them out. And then World Pilates Day is coming up next Saturday, Ooh. which is exciting, the 7th of May. And to celebrate, we are throwing a cardio Pilates party. We love a workout party <laughs> in Sydney. Uh, and if you and a friend would like to win tickets to join us, you can enter by the link in the show notes. Yeah, I can't wait for that. It's going to be so much fun. Yeah. And now for today's episode. Ooh, it's a goodie. It is a goodie. We are so excited to have this incredible person on. We need to introduce her. So our guest today is Maria Thetil. She is such an incredible woman. Mm. We are so excited for you to hear this conversation and we are so grateful that we got to have it. So Maria is a TV personality, keynote speaker, writer, creator, awesome human being. And just like all over talent, just talent. (laughs) Talent and like positivity and 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 confidence, everything. She just beams. Yeah. And we spoke a lot about self-confidence because she is such a well, she appears to be such a yeah. confident person and just owns who she is mm. and owns owns who she is in her career and she has just created an incredible Paved career. Paved her own way. Yeah, exactly. For herself to date. She's amazing. We hope you enjoy this. Welcome, Maria. We're so excited to have you. I'm so excited to be here and I feel like, can I just preface something for your audience? I am just recovering from laryngitis. <laughs> So it sounds, sounds like if this sounds like one of those phone calls, I hope you enjoy it because <laughs> I can't really, I can't really do anything about it. So I hope you don't mind the scratchy voice. We, we were having it. a laugh before because you apologised, but 
It's kind of it's kind of nice. It's kind of sexy. So it's kind of doing it for the gals. It's the best thing. It so. is the best thing after you have been sick. It's yeah. the one positive. Like you sound really yeah. sexy for about a week. This reminds me of being in school when you were sick. And you're like, oh my god, don't judge my voice, but you loved it. I feel like I just did that. But I don't love it, so I'm sorry. But we do. We love it. Now there is so many different ways to describe you because you just wear so many hats and you're such an incredible being. But if you could write the copy personally. How would you describe who you are? How would you intro yourself? I think there's so much that, you know, you could say about yourself, but I think for me, if I could get anything across to people in an intro, I would say I'm purposeful, I'm impactful and, you know, intentional in what I do. But, you know, in a nutshell, probably just fun-loving, dog-loving, Nutella-loving, and I have a real, you know, zest for life. That's how I would I would tell people who I am. That's that's the great intro. Great nutshell. Love it. Thanks. So now everyone. Well, I mean, obviously everyone was already going to continue listening, but now (laughs) now definitely so. So, writing these questions, I have to say, it was really hard because I think there's so many incredible things that you do and you speak about and you speak about so well. It was yeah, it was hard to keep them below to like we, we usually stick to about 10 questions but I was like oh my god I want to write 30 <laughs> anyway so but where we really wanted to start was asking you about how proud you are of yourself when you think about the incredible success that you've had over the past few years and if you think back to when you're working corporate in you work in HR is that right yeah. in corporate mm-hmm. compared to where you are now how does it make you feel Oh my God, if you could see my face, it's like really <laughs> because I remember that girl, you know, I remember that girl. And when I think of now, it's just this surreal feeling and it's like immense gratitude because I'm, I'm living a life where my career is, it's meaningful to me, you know, and it feels, it feels limitless and it feels like I'm living a dream. Like how do you, how do you sum up how you feel with that? So I think it's, it's so much gratitude, but I'm also very motivated because I want to see where this can go. Like if I could have done what I did over the last year and a half, it's like, oh, my God, there are no limits. So I'm very motivated and grateful. So amazing. It's and you are, you're beaming. Like you're just no. smiling from you. I'm so it's happy. so nice to see it's someone like, so proud of themselves. It's like it's it's not even that. It's like I just I'm so happy. Like what a, what a crazy thing to be able to say genuinely I'm so happy in my career and what I yeah. get to wake up and do every day. You know, it's a privilege. So, so nice. Yeah, I'm happy. <laughs> well, I mean, you have had, you know, quite a big step going from corporate to what you do now. And Laws and I haven't touched on the past, Laura, you know, when you were working at the pizza shop and you were studying, <laughs> starting a food blog, you felt quite judged for in the beginning. Mm. I know I felt judged when I told people that I wanted to get into modelling. How did you kind of make that jump and find the courage to not let anyone else's opinion kind of rule your way when it came to leaving the corporate life and doing what you do now in social media and everything? I relate to that so much because when I was doing my master's in management, I was studying HR and it was at Melbourne Uni. You guys know it's a very academic school. <laughs> and I remember people, when I, when I wanted to do a makeup qualification, I remember some of my peers saying to me, oh, you're just going to be one of those makeup girls. And mm. like, you're at Melbourne Uni, what are you doing? So from the start, anything creative or that wasn't conventional, it was very like looked down upon. And when I was in HR, I remember I had just become a finalist at Miss Universe and one of my colleagues said to me, 
I don't know why you would do that. Like you're a feminist and you're so smart and you've got this good job. Why would you do something like that? That's exactly why you would do that. Right? <laughs> and, it's, and it's like it's like this thing where other people have, you know, maybe limited perceptions mm. of what you choose to do, what it could be, your motives, and it's really important not to internalise that. So for me, like I know that I spent my whole life internalising things like racism, sexism, queer phobia, and it was so limiting it, it definitely shaped my reality so when it came to other people's opinions I just decided like the fear of regretting you know succumbing to external pressure that was so much worse than some judgments from strangers because mm. in 10 or 20 years whose life do I want to be living yeah not theirs I, well that's it and this is something you often touch on laws it, it's exactly right when you when you listen too much to the judgment from others it's mm. not them who's going to be living the life it's it's you it's so you. you've got to live the life that you're going to be happy with and you know what I love this is um trend on TikTok at the moment where people are like let people cringe mm. let them cringe at you wanting to do your thing on social media or do this or do that it's like at the end of the day if it brings you joy don't rob yourself yeah. of that because you're trying to appease someone else. Like you should be your first priority. So I think I just, I got my priority straight. I love that. And I think often too, the people that we're worried about the judgment from, they're not our close people mm. that know us. They're, they're strangers or people we went to school with or acquaintances from, you know, another job that we had. And we let them, and to, to be completely honest, most of these people you're probably not even going to see or talk to in <laughs> no. the next three years. Yeah. And it's crazy how much we let their kind of, that they put us in a certain box and we feel like we have to fit into this box of these people that we don't even know and, and really don't matter to us. And, and they, same for them, like we don't matter to them. Um, what, but what I want to chat to you about, because the way you just spoke through that was incredible. What was your self-talk? So in a moment when, you know, you felt that judgment, someone at uni said, oh, you're going to do, you know, you're going to do makeup. And the reason that you did makeup, I thought was incredible that, you know, when, um, I heard, I can't remember what podcast I was listening to you speaking about it, but that your skin color makeup artists didn't have the products for your skin. So you were like, there's, there's some, this is needed because obviously there's so many incredible women of color. Um, and it's just so crazy that women, that people makeup artists weren't actually doing what you needed. So that, that's literally the reason you create a business when there's a need yeah. and you have a solution for it. Um, so it's so interesting that in a business course that, you know, at Melbourne Uni, people could be think, could be judging like that, but that's just what we do. So Close how did you mind. work through that? Did you, have to speak to yourself or did you feel like you had to justify yourself to them or were you kind of just like you know what I'm gonna be really successful and you'll see me in five years you know what it was it was it's funny because it wasn't just them I had to explain myself to at times my ex and some of my closest friends because all of a sudden I went from being you know I was studying at uni and I was working and just quiet conservative you know me that they knew but it wasn't me, right? It wasn't me. It was me on someone else's terms. And when I started the makeup qualification, I was starting to post on social media. And back then, no one really got social media. And so my ex would sometimes be like, why, why, do, I, why do we always have to take photos and I don't get it and why do you want to post this? And I had friends who, would, who explicitly remember this one conversation of really close friends saying to me, I think you should just hold back on posting. It comes off a little bit vain. Like I don't get it. And I remember having to sit them down and I did it with them because they were close to me, sitting them down and saying, this is my strategy, right? In doing this, I am reaching people who like me haven't felt seen, haven't felt heard. And if I can build a big enough community, who knows where I can take it? And back then the limits were, I'm going to be a, a big beauty blogger. That's what I want to do. Um, but 
eventually I got tired of having to convince them, mm. you know. So then it evolved into what you what you just said, Laura, where it was like, you know what, I'm just going to let my work speak for itself. And in doing that, look at everything that's ensued. Imagine if I played it small because someone told me yeah. not to post too mm. much, you know. So I think the internal dialogue was, you know why you're doing it. They don't have to get it. At the end of the day, you might feel like you need everybody to, to see it and to validate it, but the only person that needs to validate your dreams is you. So I just I stopped worrying about, do they get it? Are they on board? Are they judging me? I'm like, nope, I know why I'm doing it and I'm going to show everyone. And you don't regret that, do you? For anyone listening oh right now thinking, you know, they want to do something outside the box and they feel like they mm. can't because of judgment. Are you sitting here right now thinking, oh, I wish I didn't do Hell anything no. five years ago? <laughs> no. And you know what? When you do that, for anyone who's listening and you're worried about it, you don't know where it'll take you. At the time, I didn't know it'd take me to TV, Miss Universe, a columnist, all this stuff. And in doing this stuff, I don't know where it's going to take me in five years. It's like there, there are no limits when you stop judging yourself. No limits. I love that. Another area that we judge ourselves in a lot, especially as women, is our bodies. Mm. We wanted to ask you, what is your relationship like with your body and has it changed? Obviously, through doing Miss Universe, it's, there's a whole section where your body is, is judged in front of a lot of people. And then I'm assuming before that, did you, did you think, because I think we go through a stage from when we're kind of in high school and I think for Steph and I, it was probably accelerated a little bit with modelling and then also with social media. Mm. But where your body, not that it doesn't matter, but it's just, a, you know, it functions. It does what it needs to yeah. do when you don't think about it. And then you go, like often women then feel like we then need to worry about what our bodies look like. Did, did you go through that? And then what what's your relationship like with it now? Yeah, no, I definitely did. Um, with Miss Universe, I think you're less judged on how your body looks but how confident you are in your skin. But prior to that, in my teen years, when I grew up, I would watch fashion TV. I don't know if anyone remembers that, but it was just constant runways and things mm -hmm. like that. But everyone who was on there was really tall and really thin. Mm -hmm. And as I hit puberty, I know I'm petite, but I'm curvy. And so I hated my hips. And I want to acknowledge that I live in a privileged body. So there are bodies that are still marginalized far more than anyone who's shorter or, or curvy. It's, it's plus sized, you know, queer black bodies. They're the most marginalized. I'm privileged, but even then I, I didn't like my body because yeah. it wasn't meeting external standards. So I actually had a period in my teen years where I entered really dysfunctional eating habits and I haven't really spoken much about it um, and I will more, but I'm, I'm still healing that relationship yeah. with food. And it was where I'd enter these periods of binging and then restricting and I just wanted to lose weight I just wanted to be skinny I wanted to get rid of my hips but I can't that's just how my body is built and then when I you know got into my 20s I started healing that started to really just celebrate what I had and went into Miss Universe and all of a sudden all anyone could talk about was my height for the entire two years that I was a Miss Universe Australia finalist and then going to Miss Universe everyone critiqued it and picked it apart and used it to tell me why I wasn't enough. And that's how, you know, competitors would sort of psych out your, your opponents and, and that's what, you know, fans, like toxic fans would do. And so it was really hard because I was the shortest woman on that stage and you hadn't seen someone five foot three, you know, doing it. So it was difficult, but as I sort of went into mid to late 20s, I started to realise that all those things, you know, whether it's my body shape, whether it's my skin, whether it's my height, those things 
uh, what makes me me. And if I have to give up the things that make me me to fit in or belong, maybe I don't want to belong in that space. So I decided to use it as my power, as cliche as it sounds, when people would say that stuff, I'm like, great, this is an opportunity for me to get more press and talk about this issue and and change the way people think. And so now I think I'm not so rigid with exercise and eating. I think as long as I'm healthy, I'm fit, I'm strong, that's it. That, that My weight and the way I look is the least interesting thing about me, you know? Yeah, it was put so well. And I just think it's just such an important message because like insecurities can come, you know, in all shapes and sizes. And I think people who comment on other people's appearance so much, they obviously, I mean, I don't know where they're coming from. Obviously some sort of damaged area in their own person personality or like whatever's wrong in their own life but the thing is is sometimes you don't know like some people might have said comments to you and you might have been completely comfortable with your height and never have thought twice about it and then it becomes an insecurity because someone's brought it up so many times right Mm. or you could have it could have been something you struggled with for years and then they're just eating away at it it's just it's just a horrible thing to do so one thing when you're talking about things like that and the way you've worked through that and the way that you've worked through jumping into the social media and um, TV personality kind of life is a lot of confidence beams from you, like in everything that you say and every move that you've made in life. And I wonder if self-doubt is something that you've ever had to work through because you've spoken about the noise from external pressures and people telling you what you should be doing or maybe what you should look like. But what about your own internal self-doubt? Is it something that you struggle with or do you just have all the confidence in the world <laughs> and you just walk through it? Oh and if God. it is, like how do, you, how do you get through that? Well, I must be, you know, that fake it till you make it. Yeah. Like I must be doing a good job because I'm not <laughs> always confident. Like it, it definitely has helped and I've definitely become a lot more confident in myself. But I still have those moments because, you know, as my career is changing and it's happening very fast you know this this public media career it only really sort of came to be in November of 2020 so it's it's still new and things are moving really fast and changing really fast so it's very normal for me to sometimes second guess myself and and then start assessing oh my god am I where I should be should I be you know where this person is or am I missing out on this and and I just I'm always it's just my personality I always feel like I could be doing more Mm -hmm. and I hate sitting still. And I think there's something in that that I need to work through because I am really trying to unlearn the belief. Okay, we're getting so much deeper than I thought I would. But (laughs) it's this, this belief, like I think in my childhood, I internalized so much that made me feel like I wasn't enough that now in my adulthood for a period, I, I recognized a pattern where I was using achievements to validate myself and so long as I'm achieving and doing things and and, and making moves, then I'm good. But I should be enough without all of that, even if I want to sit still, you know. So self-doubt comes to me in many forms. It's am I doing enough, am I not, you know, should I be feeling a different way, is this the right move for my career and it's constant. But I've realised, and this is a psych grad in me coming out, um, I need to know how that self-doubt actually tangibly influences my reality because it does. So when you have doubtful thoughts constantly, it moves from your conscious mind into your subconscious and then it becomes a belief. And when you've got that kind of self-doubting subconscious belief, it actually filters the world to affirm that. 
So when you when you don't believe in yourself, you are going to subconsciously look for people, opportunities, places and things that reaffirm that, that you aren't enough, that you're not good enough, that you don't deserve that. So for me, being very conscious that this is actually poison to my life, it's what helps me to interrupt it when I notice that negative, you know, internal dialogue going on a bit of a spiral. And I will consciously shed it and look around and gratitude is what centers me. It's hang on, wait a minute, look at everything that you've got. And even without it, you're enough. So just center and then move forward. So I think knowing how it tangibly affects me, that's how I work through it because I don't want it to. I don't want it to be that poison, you know? Oh, 100%. And I think as well with with the careers that, you know, the career that you have and then being in the media, it's there's always this and it's something that Brene Brown speaks about. And I think when she spoke about it, I was like, okay, well, if you feel this, then like, you know, we must, mm. it's okay if we feel this, but she speaks about scarcity. But just scarcity or something? Scarcity. Yes. I, I think I say, I say scarcity, but some people say scarcity. <laughs> tomato, tomato, <laughs> potato, potato. Scarcity of yeah. work and the yeah. worry that it's going to stop. Yeah. And it's if someone is successful as as she thinks that, then, you know, how how are the rest of us? No, I'm, I'm going to say Brene Brown is, no, she's not superior, but you know, she's incredible. Oh, yeah. But yeah. how, how are we not meant to feel that way? Yeah. I suppose. And I, I think that comes into it. I, w- I wanted to ask you, I'm surprised. I mean, I know you have openly spoken about self-doubt, which is incredible. But then when I see your work, it, I'm surprised that you feel that way. Like for mm-hmm. example, when you're on Today Extra, which oh, is incredible, you've got your, you. it's every two weeks yeah. you're yeah. on the show and, and you speak about some really incredible things. When you go on and you sit in that chair and you speak and, you know, especially with TV, you have to, I know you're obviously asked questions in the segment, but then there's also times when, you know, you might contribute to something that one of the hosts is saying or whatever it might be. What goes through your mind in that moment if you ever experience self-doubt? Because I think as women, especially sometimes we can, and I know this is something that goes through my head is when I'm speaking, it's almost like I have to have something so important to say. Mm -hmm. Otherwise I'm like, why am I taking up space right now? I'm just talking for the sake of it. I shouldn't be, I should Mm -hmm. allow space for other people Um, does that does that happen to you and then if it does in that moment how do you work through it mentally it it does happen and that scarcity mindset I'm so happy you said that because I do feel that Mm. and it's crazy because there is so much abundance in my life and in my career that I, I even sometimes have to remind myself Maria this is not you talking that's a conditioned you know a conditioned way of thinking that there's not enough or you know especially with women we are conditioned to think that we have to fight for every single thing and it's like there is enough for everyone and if you're doing it right you're creating more space for others too which I'm very conscious in my career that's what I want to be doing so you know the first few times I I had I I remember it was Talking Honey so that's a a panel show that they've got on their um, lifestyle network for women I remember feeling that before going on on that show because that was before the Today Extra segments and I'd done, you know, interviews on the morning shows and things like that, but this is actually like a show and I'm being asked to speak and share my thoughts and I felt that. I was like, oh, my God, I'm up there with, you know, the likes of John Aiken, Ben Fordham, Shelley Horton, you know, these people have been around for ages and then there's me, this like 28-year-old woman of colour who's like just sort of burst onto the scene and it's like, I want to make sure I'm adding value and not just for them in the show, but for people who are looking to me for very specific things. So I think those nerves, I just remind myself of my why before I go on. But I'm telling you something happens when I'm on podcasts, on TV, on the couch, on camera. That's my happy place. 
I really love it. And so, so long as I can work through that doubt beforehand and say, this is your purpose, your why, it's an opportunity to say something impactful. So long as I can do that, I go on there and I just do my thing and it ends up being, you know, a fun Good conversation. And incredible. incredible. It ends up being incredible. And I watch it and I'm like, whoa. I know. I was going to say, it seems like you have a- enough positive talk internally to like build your own confidence without needing external. But like I know, as Laura just said, it's seriously incredible. Listening to you talk, it's so eloquently done and just bang on Thank every you. time that I'm like, you seem like you've been doing it for years and years and years. So if that just adds anything to your confidence like (laughs) seriously you're doing a great job (laughs) but you know like you do have each other right like you know sometimes when I struggle to pull myself out of that rut the people who do are my mum my dad and my brother and my best friends of over 12 years like these people have known me since I was a ground you know just that they're my anchors and so no matter where I go no matter what I do they remind me of who I am and that's their perception has never changed before this career after this career they'll always love me for me so I think it's really important to surround yourself with people who love you for you and remind you of who you are and that all this other stuff it's great but you know you're special because you're you you know yeah. I, I think I think that's so special and I, it just comes the gratitude is is so important I think for I mean you seem like someone who puts a lot of emphasis on your career, which is I relate to that a lot. And so I think when what I struggle with, struggle with personally sometimes with my self doubt is that my self value is almost a hundred percent correlated with with my career and what I'm doing at work. And so when that is the case, it can be extremely fulfilling. But when you put all your eggs in one basket of yeah. how you feel about yourself, which is why you should never do it, <laughs> if the, if the basket's not going very well and the eggs are breaking. Yeah. You feel pretty shit. Yeah. I love your analogies. They're, they're my favourite part of the podcast. It's a good analogy, but that's how I feel because I do that too. Like I'm actually – that's actually something I still struggle with now. Like mm. it's not all – I haven't got it all figured out. Mm. Like I do still struggle to separate my sense of self from my career. Mm. And I – you know, it's been really busy. So I'm not dating that much. Um, I make time for my family and friends. But really like a lot of it, it's like I pour so much into it. So I'm trying to – separate that and say this is this great thing that's happened as a result of how I am but it's not who I am yeah but it's hard it is hard it's so hard it is it is it it's is so hard especially in the social media era where your Instagram is your resume yeah. and people figure out who you are by looking at what you're doing and you know it's it's why I try and share so much of just downtime with my family yeah. or stupidity in my day and it's like you know that's not everything it's a highlight reel you know and beyond that there's highs there's lows there's there's a whole person you know that would be existing even without it so it's 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 a challenge you know Mm. I, I relate to that so much and and I think you do it so well with your sharing and especially as you just said you do share the lows um and I think maybe it was about two weeks ago you did an incredible post about your struggles with mental health and you're very open about it. We wanted to ask, well, first of all, thank you for being so open about it. And I think it's so important and so many people experience it. And I think when you see people that you look up to, like you experiencing it, it, it takes away the stigma of, you know, mental health looks a certain way because anyone, like it's so, it's so, so common and especially after what we went through, um, you know, in 2020 and 2021, um, it's something that a lot of people deal with and it doesn't make us less worthy or less than. Why is it important for you to talk about it? And how does it show up in your life and how do you work through it? Of course, the most important thing is for anyone listening, if, if you are experiencing mental health struggles, 
go and see a psychologist and get your own, you know, your own support. That's really, really important. But yeah, how does it show up for you and how do you work through it? You know, when I was growing up, um, my, my parents, they're Indian immigrants. They moved here in like the 90s. Very different culture, very different time. And mental health was not understood. It was quite stigmatised. And, you know, it, it was it was very – you know, you don't, don't talk about it. Like people who talk about mental health struggles, it's, it's assumed with being, you know, just derogatory terms. I don't need to go into it. But there was a lot of stigma around it, right? And so when I studied psychology – like I understand it, you know, and suddenly I started to understand some of the challenges I was having. So I was diagnosed with depression and anxiety in 2013. Um, don't have depression anymore, but still struggle with anxiety and have consistently, you know, but high functioning anxiety, it's a thing. You can struggle with it and still be showing up in your life and looking like everything's seamless and be, you know, sometimes crumbling under the surface, right? So, it was really important for me to speak about it because I started to do that in my own family and it really made a difference with my mum and my dad and my brother. So within our family unit, it, it healed stuff for my parents and the way that they speak about their own challenges. Um, but with the platform that I have, I think it's irresponsible to not be, I, I mean, share whatever you want. Like you don't have any obligation. I don't owe anyone anything, but I would feel it would be really, really irresponsible of me to act like everything's great and willfully neglect to share that. You know, often I do struggle. So I think when you talk about it, you show people that, oh my God, anxiety looks different for her than it does the next person and the next person. And I think society needs to move towards understanding that no mental health condition looks the same, you know, for any two people. It's unique and and so I guess if I can share that, look, this is something that I struggle with. It might look like things are great, but this is what's going on in the background. And also it doesn't look like maybe what you might expect. Then maybe someone else at home can say, oh, okay, I can make sense of my own feelings. And maybe it does validate how I feel. So I think it's really important that we start to destigmatize and not make it this taboo thing because you're not weak and you're not you know, anything, you're just human. Mental health struggles are probably the most human thing and it's it's what's universal. So I think it's important to just own these parts of ourselves. Yeah, and I think at the very least, if you being open, you help someone else open up to someone else about what they're going through, that's, that's huge yeah. because a lot of the struggle is always internal in, until they feel comfortable enough to open up and talk to someone else about it. So it's amazing and thank you. Thank you. Something else I think that we all need to get better at and uh, I would like to make some t time and space for you to do so now is to also celebrate our wins. And, you know, mm. you've spoken how proud you are. You've, you've burst into the scenes literally and it's been incredible and you have so many different things to be proud of. But if you could just pick one moment where you felt, you know, the most proud – do you have one? Does one come to the top of your mind that you'd like oh to share? Oh my gosh, no, I, I can't think of just one. You know what? Actually, that's I awesome. I can, I, well, that's, it's a good thing, but I can actually, I can actually think of one. And I also, it's not maybe, maybe it's not the the most, but this just sticks out in my mind. Yeah. I'll never forget this. Um, and then I will share like an overarching thing I'm really proud of. But one thing, one memory I have is when I was at Miss Universe. It was May 2021 because it was delayed. And no one could travel with me because, you know, COVID and, and travel was not a thing. Um, and my best friend recorded all my family and friends and my team. They got together to watch the final. 
and they had printed cupcakes with <gasps> my head on them and had made posters and had Australian flags everywhere. And there's footage of them watching, like literally sitting on the edge of the seat, holding their breath. And every time I was announced and progressed further and further in the comp, they just erupted in joy. <laughs> and there was this moment where um, Mario Lopez interviewed me backstage and he was like, you know, what's going through your head right now? And I'm like, well, I'm just thinking of my family and friends back home. And the footage of them, as I said that, they just, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, when I watch that, it's like, oh, my God, these people love me so much and are so proud. And I just – that was what was going through my head. I just thought, I want to give them a show. I want them to be really proud when they're watching me. So – and knowing that the country was too. So that that sticks out in my mind. Um but I think the biggest thing I'm proud of in my career is impact because everything was done with intention from the start and it was about representation and championing inclusivity and, and changing the narrative in this country about a lot of things. And I feel like, you know, Maya Angelou talks about legacy and she says your legacy is the lives you'll touch and you won't even know. And that's the kind of standard I hold myself to. I want to have a legacy and I want it to be a legacy of impact. So I feel really proud of that because I feel like everything I'm doing is a conscious choice in line with it. So I feel I feel proud of that. Yeah, you're doing it. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And this, this was – feel free not to answer this question yeah. because we haven't sent it through yet. <laughs> it's a rope one. But no, I want to know with speaking about, you know, the future for you, what's your biggest goal? Kind of short short term in the next year and then long term. Well, I have a, sh- a, sh- a short-term goal that's happening in the next year that I thought would be like a five-year thing, but it's a really big writing project. Mm. I can't Ooh. say more, <laughs> but it is literally going to be my heart and soul in tangible form. And I'm really excited. Like it's something I've wanted to do since I was a little girl. And a big goal that, you know, one day working towards, I mean, It'd be amazing to have my own show. Mm. Something like Oprah. I love yes, that. Love that. Yes. But it's like, but you know, just, but like me, you know, just chatting to people. Cause I, I just, I think I, I love talking to people and seeing the light in their eyes when they talk about things that they care about. And, and also, you know, bringing people to the forefront that you, you don't hear their voices in certain conversations. I would love my own TV show to do that. Maybe a Netflix special. I'm manifesting. If you're listening, Netflix. I mean, there's a lot of choices (laughs) now. We have Netflix, we have Sand, Binge, Disney, um, Hulu. There's just a lot. I don't know if Hulu's in Australia, but there's there's a – I mean, it doesn't matter. We can go international. Honestly, honestly, (laughs) if I could manifest everything that's happening now from the spare room at my parents' home whilst (laughs) I was working in a corporate job that I hated, you know, sky's the limit. So exactly. Who knows? Who knows? I, I no. That's awesome, and I hope they're listening. Seriously, please. We're putting it out there. We're putting it out there. Now, before we go and, and wind up the conversation, we really, really wanted to touch on why we have you on the podcast. Yeah. Well, first, why we have you. Not the only Sorry, reason. we. A big part of you coming on today was was to speak about yeah. witchery and you being in it. First yeah. of all, we've wanted you on the podcast for so long, so this was the perfect opportunity to be like, it's yes, perfect. we can talk about um, something yeah. that means a lot to us. Steph, Steph, and I work with um, the ovarian. Cancer Research Foundation for a few years now and the Witchery White Shirt campaign is such a a, it's an amazing campaign and it's such an important campaign we know that you would get a lot of inquiries about supporting charities um, and and certain initiatives why did you support this one and and why is it so important to you? I, I really wanted to be a part of this one because I think the Witchery White Shirt campaign it 
it arguably is the most effective initiative against one of the deadliest threats to people with ovaries, you know, ovarian cancer. It, there's, there's one woman dying every eight hours in this country, right? Sorry, one person with ovaries dying every eight hours in this country. And when you look at the fact that it is the most lethal gynecological cancer, but it's so underfunded, it's like, what? You know, the, the, the survival rate at five years is 48%. And, and this is just something that we've, we, we just go about our lives not realizing this is affecting people everywhere. It's, it's taking lives. So for me, I wanted to be a part of this because, you know, I've been touched, our family has been touched um, by gynecological cancer and it's, it's heartbreaking. So being a part of something that is going to change the prospects for people who are touched by this thing, that's everything. You know, the, the campaign has raised $14.3 million to date. Crazy. And it's amazing. They, they do the most, I think, out of every initiative. They, they do the most. And so what they're looking to do is raise funds so we can have an early detection test. And then it becomes as habitual as something like a cervical screening or a mammogram. And that will not just change lives, it'll, it'll actually save lives. So for me, I love witchery. I've worked with them for years. I love fashion. And this is that, but so much bigger. Impact. It's, it's impact. <laughs> it comes back to impact. So, you know, and, and I know my community, they, the people who follow me and, and, and what I do, they, they, we, we connect on values. So I know sharing this, they're going to galvanise behind the cause. I will. And it is an honour to be a small part of it. So it, it matters. I love it. And the shirt as well. It's designed by Michael Lasorto this year. Mm-hmm. It's we're both Marie, we're both wearing, wearing it right it now. Today. It's very nice. And I think we all the thing that I love the most about it is we all need a white shirt. Yeah. It's something and it's a beautiful quality. It's a great shirt. We'll get heaps of wear out of it. And then you, obviously in purchasing it, you're supporting an amazing cause yeah. and a really, really important cause. And a hundred percent of the proceeds go to yeah. the Ovarian Cancer Research Foundation. So if you need a white shirt, Buy one, buy this one. This is it, guys. This is it. Just head to our grams. You'll see a style it. It's, <laughs> it's like no, but it is. And we like styled it differently today. You've got we jeans did. with a shirt underneath, with a singlet yeah, underneath. Open, got, yeah, yeah, tied it up. It's like a boyfriend shirt, so really cute. But no, it's it's right. It's like we all need it. So you know why not make an impact, mm. right? I love it. And on that note, thank you so much for joining us, Maria. It has been such a joy to have you in the such room and pleasure. have this conversation. And yeah, we're so, so grateful for you being so generous with your time. Thank you. The pleasure was mine, guys. And hopefully next time we chat, I don't sound like some kind of... We love oh, it. I, don't know. I, I love it. Hotline. Thank you for your sexy hotline <laughs> voice. Thanks, guys. Well, we hope you guys enjoyed that chat with Maria as much as we did. We'll pop her information in our show notes. If you don't follow her already, we highly recommend And we will be back in your ears next Wednesday. I'll be back in your ears for a kick bump episode next Monday. And a reminder, we have got our Meditate in May coming up. So if you'd like to join us, you can head to our website, www.keepacleaner.com. You can learn more about kick there and enjoy a seven-day free trial. Or you can find us on the App Store or the Google Play Store. But we will chat to you next week. Bye.